Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service this morning. It's um, very exciting to see more of the seats full and more seats out there. Um, we're happy to see you here and happy to see the sunshine. And let's stand and worship uh, the Lord together today. Our theme, um, one of our themes is God's word, which is always a, a treasure to me. And so we're going to start with um, thy word. <clears throat> Oh, heed the 
This next song I totally rely on Curtis, and he's having a hard time being in two places at once. Um, but it's at the cross, and this was one that Cam picked out, even though he's at work, called, got called in today. Um, but he felt that it was a really good wrap-up of um, Pastor Glenn's point. So we're going to go with this one anyways. Excuse any parts where I totally would have followed Curtis. <laughs> Well, good morning, everyone. I agree with Bonnie. It is good to see uh, a fuller house here this morning. So we have uh, much to be thankful for. I was able to have coffee out uh, on out in the open here in our yard this morning with Sarah, and it was just a real blessing to be there and see and hear some birds, and uh, it was just a real, real beautiful morning to be out there. So it's a, definitely a, a wonderful morning, and uh, it's a wonderful gift from God to have uh, such uh, such joy of spring. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. Um, 
So I'm very, very thankful for that. Our call to worship this morning uh, can be found in your bulletin. And uh, as we have been doing for the last little while, we will read it collectively as a church family. So if you want to open your bulletin or if you want to open your Bible to Psalm 100 and verse 1. And uh, we will read uh, from the call to worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Amen. Why don't we open our service with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we bow before you and say thank you for a glorious morning. We thank you for a great day uh, to give you the praise and the worship that you are due. We thank you for the privilege it is to be together as a church family this morning. We pray that uh, our time together today uh, will be one where we could encourage one another, we could uh, give you worship and praise, and that we can learn from your word and make changes that we can apply to our lives today based upon what we hear. So we just ask your blessing upon us today. Bless uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the music team and, and Pastor Glenn, and uh, we just pray that today would be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremy. Morning, everyone. I will be redoing the scripture reading this morning from First Thessalonians. Chapter 5, verses 12 to 28. And I will be reading from the NIV. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you, Jeremy. Let's bow in prayer as we prepare to look into what God is saying to us this morning. Lord, this passage of scripture is a passage that uh, you have put in your in the Bible for for a reason. Obviously, like all parts of the Bible are there for a reason. But as we look at this particular one this morning, our prayer is that yet you'd open our minds to what it is you're saying to us through this passage, and what the lesson is for us, and what the encouragement is for us. And as we do that, that you would take it and apply it to us, and that it would be feeding for our souls, and it would teach us. Help me, Lord, to uh, just, just to speak it the way you would want it spoken. This is your word. And, Lord, I just uh, pray in a real way, Lord, that you would kind of kind of move me aside. And, Lord, that you would just take this passage and expound it to us. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. If there is anything that all of us need, and in fact is an absolute necessity for our well-being, uh, it's relationships. We can't function for any length of time without them. But relationships are hard. We're imperfect, sinful people. And the people that we have relationships with, those relationships that we so desperately need, they too are imperfect, sinful people. And so that makes relationships hard. I've used this illustration before, but the story is told about two por porcupines uh, up on the Arctic. They huddled together to get warm, but their quills pricked each other, and so they moved apart. But before long, they were shivering cold, and so they cuddled close together again. But soon, they were both getting jabbed again. And so they moved apart, and kind of same story, same ending, just over and over. They needed each other, but they kept needling each other. And I thought, that's a pretty good picture of how we need relationships, but they're hard. Because we all have these quilts. And likely this is nowhere more true than in family relationships. Family relationships are the closest of all. Of all our relationships, our family relationships are the ones that we're the closest with. And, and likely because of that, they're the relationships that sometimes present the most difficulties. An elderly gentleman had serious hearing problems for a number of years, and uh, quite a bit worse than mine, I would add. And he went to the doctor, and uh, the doctor was able to have him fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed him to hear 100%, right back to where his hearing should be. So he got the hearing aids, and about a month later, he went back just to have, have them checked out and looked at, and the doctor was very pleased. You know, your, your hearing is just perfect. Uh, your family must be really pleased that you can hear again. And the old guy says, I, I haven't told them yet. <laughs> I just sit around and listen to the conversations. <laughs> I've changed my will three times. <laughs> We're going to be talking about family relationships this morning, although not a biological family. We're going to be talking about a church family. Church family relationships. There's some similarities there. That's what Paul is addressing as we come to this last passage of 1 Thessalonians. So today we're going to finish our sermon series through 1 Thessalonians. We've been in there for a while. We will hit 2 Thessalonians, but we might take a break. We might not start 2 Thessalonians till fall. Uh, just looking at the calendar and what's going on, it might be way wise for us to wait till fall before we start 2 Thessalonians. But today we're going to finish off 1 Thessalonians. Looking at uh, that passage that Jeremy read, verses 12 through 18 of chapter 5. These verses are Paul's closing remarks as he finishes this letter to those believers in the Greek town of, Thessalon of uh, Thessalonica. I always smile a bit when I read the letters of Paul to the various churches that we have in our Bibles. Uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters and they all kind of end with kind of similar. That last closing section of each of Paul's letters, it, to me it always seems a bit like a parent uh, giving his or her child some final advice as they drive off from home, off to college or wherever, uh, for the first time. That they're going to be gone from home and they're driving off and I kind of get the picture of the parents kind of waving goodbye and giving these final instructions to their kids as they drive off. <laughs> drive safe. Make good friends. Be respectful to your teachers. Don't forget to check the oil in your car. <laughs> Don't get caught up in the wrong crowd. Make sure you dress warm when it gets cold. <laughs> Don't forget to check the pressure in your tires before you drive anywhere. That kind of thing. That's, that is kind of what these closing sections of Paul's letters feel like to me when I read them. Just a bunch of random last-minute instructions as the kids drive away. Uh, but upon reading them more closely, I realize they're not random. There's a connectedness to them. A theme, if you like that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
that we would do well to pay attention to. And the theme of these closing remarks of 1 Thessalonians is church family life. Instructions of how to get along and conduct ourselves as a church family. So let's look at them. As Christians, we need to know how to conduct our church life with our church family. And the study of the teachings about church life that come out of this, this passage uh, will show us how to do that. So I see four things this morning. So number one, four teachings. First one is in regards to our attitude toward our spiritual leaders. In regards to our attitude toward our spiritual leaders. Verses 12 to 13. Let's just read those again. We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So let's unpack those two verses. Those who diligently labor among you, who have the charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. Who's Paul talking about? Well, I think it's, it's pretty obvious. He's talking about the church's spiritual leaders, the elders of the church. We know from the teaching of the New Testament, as you read the book of Acts and read all the epistles of the New Testament, that when Paul and the other apostles started a church, elders were appointed to lead and to take care of that church. So these elders, they, they were first to recognize that Jesus is the head of the church, and then under Jesus they are to serve Jesus by serving the church. And so these elders were that they were to continue to give the church good sound teaching from the word of God. Carry on what the apostles had started. They were to guard the church from false prophets and from false teachings. They were to lead the church in every way to be the church Jesus Christ intended. When Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus, he gave instructions as to what kind of men should be chosen to be elders. And he gave a list of qualifications that need to be met as they were choosing elders. That's the model of the New Testament that the New Testament gives as to how a church is to be set up and how a church is to operate. The New Testament, by the way, gives, makes no distinction between a pastor and an elder. Uh, those two words are used synonymously in the New Testament. We are told that an elder who devotes his full time to teaching and preaching the word of God should be held in double honor, meaning, as you look at that context of that passage, that means that he should be reimbursed financially for his work if he devotes his full time to preaching and teaching the word of God. So likely, where any distinction at all could be made between an elder and a pastor, that's where it begins and that's where it would end, obviously. Many churches in our world have kind of gotten away from this model and and likely for a variety of reasons. But, but I think it's to their detriment or our detriment. Jesus set it up this way for a reason. Because it's the way he knows will work best. At any rate, when Paul and Silas and likely Timothy were forced to leave Thessalonica because of the persecution. They had this young church, young believers that they were kind of leaving before they wanted to leave. But they would have appointed elders to take care of this church after they left. And so here Paul is exhorting these believers who made up the church of Thessalonica to appreciate these spiritual leaders, to honor them, respect them. Different translations use different words there, as you probably already noticed. Uh, he tells them to esteem them highly in verse 13. Or to hold them in the highest regard. Hold them in love because of their work. These are timeless truths. They're true for all churches of all time. Elders, if they are doing their job the way the Bible outlines for them to do it, are diligent. And being an elder takes a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Being an elder carries with it a lot of responsibility. And like I said, a fair bit of a time commitment. They all have their regular jobs that they have to have to earn a living and provide for themselves and for their families. And then on top of that, they have the responsibility of taking care of the church family. Which, like I said, includes making sure that the church is getting good, solid, biblical teaching. Making sure that they aren't getting deceived by false teachers and false 
false heresies, making sure that the body of believers is being fed and being nursed. And not just the church body as a whole, but facilitating the growth and the development of the individuals that make up this body. Facilitating each one of their, on their journey towards spiritual maturity. So Paul says a church body needs to honor their elders and respect them and esteem them highly and love them. So that's God's word to us as a church family this morning. We, in our particular church, we have, of course, three elders that were elected at our annual meeting. And this is how we are to treat them. This is what our attitude toward them should be. And notice the last thing mentioned there in verse 13. Last sentence, verse 13, live in peace with one another. If there is anything that is emotionally and spiritually draining and difficult for an elder or a group of elders, it's dealing with people who are at odds with each other and refuse to be at peace with each other. So Paul instructs these Thessalonian Christians, live at peace with each other. That's a great way to honor and respect and love your elders. So that's the first teaching. And the teaching in regards to our attitude toward our spiritual leaders. We want to have a good church family relationship. That, Paul says, is something that needs to be there. Secondly, in regards to how, to re how we treat each other. In regards to how we treat each other. Verse 14, it carries on with this theme, then, of living at peace with one another. You can kind of look at verse 14 there. Uh, we're all people that have a sin nature still within us. And it so often gets in the way of good relationships. We don't see things the same way. And deep within all of us, there is a self-preservation feeling that's very powerful. And it comes out as selfishness. We don't like others telling us what to do and how to do it and giving us rules and guidelines. We don't like that. We chafe under that. We want to do what we want to do and the way we want to do it. And I think we're all guilty of that to some extent. I know I certainly am. That's the nature in us. And it can come out in different people in different ways. For some, it's just what I mentioned, that chafing under... Rule. Let's want to do things my way. For some, it's 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 a fear or a timidity. For some, it's a it's a lack of courage to do the right thing. For many people, it's that deep drive to take revenge when we're hurt and to get back. So Paul admonishes us there in verses fourteen and fifteen along these lines. Let's let's, let's read those verses again. We urge you, brethren. Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So first, admonish or warn the unruly. That, that's kind of a general term. The word unruly in my translation is talking about those who are out of line. Just That's kind of a, a general term. Anyone who's out of line. People that get themselves out of line. I noticed that Jeremy read from the NIV. It, it uses, used the word, what was it, idle or something? I think it was idle. Um, yeah. Yeah, or disruptive. So anybody that kind of out of line, admonish them in the sense of encouraging them to get back on track. Uh, then it says encourage the faint-hearted. Those who perhaps lack courage or, or whose fears tend to render them immobile as far as spiritual life is concerned. Encourage them. Help them take those steps they need to take. And then help the weak, kind of going along the same lines. A better translation might be to support the weak. Those who are weak in their faith, in their spiritual lives, help them, support them. The idea of the Greek word is to to hold on to them and lift them up and, and keep them from falling. And then be patient with all people. We need to recognize, friends, that everyone is on their own journey 
at their own level of growth in their spiritual lives. And everyone has their own personal issues and struggles that they have to deal with. We're all at different spots. They're, they're going to be different than yours. And different than mine. So we need to be patient with all people as God works in their lives. And then verse 15 a general rule that we see taught throughout the scriptures. Don't pay back evil for evil. Always seek the good of others. No matter how they treat you. Or how they have hurt you. When you get into that revenge and payback cycle. Somebody does something I don't like. So I kind of get back at them and they don't like what I did. So they have to get back at me and then I, that then i got to go and get back at them somehow. If you get into that revenge and payback cycle, the evil just keeps perpetuating and snowballing, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Don't go down that road, Paul is telling us here. Don't go down that road. Stop the cycle before it even starts. When someone does evil against you, don't respond with doing evil back. Respond with doing good. That stops the cycle right there, and it promotes healing. So this is a teaching in regards to how we treat each other as a church family. To sum up, we're to recognize that we're all at different places in our walk with God. We need to be discerning about that and come alongside each other and help each other in those areas where we need help. And allow others to help and encourage us in those areas where we need some help. And let, not let any cycle of hurt and revenge and hurt and payback get started. And as we look around us and those who make up our church family, this is how we are to be treating each other. Thirdly, in regards to our personal approach to life. A teaching in regards to our personal approach to life. Verses 16 through 18. <coughs> These verses speak more to how each of us as individuals should approach our personal lives. But if we do this, It'll positively affect our church family and our relationships with them. So there are three very short, concise verses. Verses 16 through 18. They're all connected grammatically in how Paul writes this. The Holy Spirit meant for that connection. So let's, let's read them. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. I thought about that. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if you're a Christian, you always have something to rejoice about. Even if everything seems to be falling apart around you, if you are a Christian, you know that your sins are forgiven, and you know you have a home in heaven for eternity, and you know that Jesus is coming back to get you out of here, and it could come at any time, so no matter what, you as a Christian always have that. And that is always enough to cause you to rejoice. Always. And the truth is, as we look at it, all of us, along with that, we have numerous blessings that have come our way. And so that's just added reason to rejoice always. So the point is, focus on the blessings and rejoice in them. And approach life with that attitude of rejoicing always. Always rejoice. Have that attitude of always rejoicing. And then it says pray without ceasing. Have that constant attitude of prayer in all of your life. Now, this is not saying that we need to be on our knees praying 24-7. It's, it's saying to be in constant communication with Jesus. In all that you do, in any given day. Be in that state of having that communication lines open between you and God, always. Pray without ceasing. And then, in everything, give thanks. Be a thankful person, always, in everything. Thankful for your blessings, as we've already seen. Thankful for the things going on in your life, because you know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. So if you know that and you have faith in that, then you can be thankful for even the bad things. Because you know God will cause it, or cause somehow good to come out of it. 
Focus on the good things. Focus on the blessings and be thankful. In everything give thanks. Verse 18 goes on to say, For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. There you have it. A lot of people wonder about and search for God's will for their, their lives. What's God's will for my life? Well, here you have it in black and white. Black and white. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. That's God's will for your life. There it is. And for each Christian, that is God's will. So that's how each of us as Christians should approach life. Be a person known for rejoicing. A rejoicing attitude. Be a person who's always in communication with God. Be a person who's thankful in everything. That's what God wants from each one of us. And that kind of approach to life spills over and affects others. And it will positively affect your church family as you relate with it. And then fourthly and finally, I'm teaching in regards to staying true to the word. In regards to staying true to the word. Verses 19 to 22. These verses say some interesting things. First it says don't quench the Holy Spirit. That's what my translation says. Yours might say we're a little different. But the meaning is don't get in the way of what the Holy Spirit is doing and try to stop it. Don't put out the fire of the Holy Spirit if you like. Cooperate with the Spirit. Work with the Holy Spirit. Come alongside what the Holy Spirit is doing and work with Him. Don't try to fight it. Don't try to go the different way. Don't try to stop the Spirit from doing what the Spirit wants to do. Sometimes we have an idea of what should be done. Or what we really want to... What we want to be done... But it stems from, perhaps, and may stem from that, that selfishness that we talked about earlier. Maybe God the Holy Spirit has something else that he's doing. We want to see this done, but maybe God the Holy Spirit is, is wanting something else done. And is working to do something else. But we don't like it. So we fight against it. And we fight instead for what we want. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. So then in that vein, Paul goes on to say, don't despise prophetic utterances. Now that's an interesting phrase. Prophetic utterances. Strictly speaking, prophecy or being prophetic or speaking prophetically, it means a speaking forth of the word of God. That's what it means, uh, strictly speaking. We usually think of prophecy in the sense of foretelling the future. And in reality, most of the time in the Bible, prophecy simply means speaking forth the word of God. Bringing God's word to people. Preaching the word of God to people. That's most of the time what it is in the Bible. Now at times it certainly does include a foretelling of future events. That's definitely there. Uh, and we have those passages in the Bible. Some of them were written in First Thessalonians, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Well, last week and the week before. So that they definitely included it. But most of the time, it's talking about simply preaching the word of God. Prophecy. <coughs> at the time when Paul was writing this, the prophetic office uh, was quite important, actually. Uh, the new covenant was just being established in these new churches that were being planted. Uh, the apostles were doing their thing, but the apostles couldn't be everywhere at once. The apostles were in the process of writing their teachings and instructions down, but it, but it wasn't complete and it wasn't widely distributed yet. So prophecy was an important thing for these new churches. The Holy Spirit would give an individual some truth or revelation or instruction for this person to convey to the church in general. And that's how Jesus guided his church along. Now, since we have the entire teaching of the apostles written down and recorded for us and passed down to us, we have Jesus' full revelation of his guidance and his instruction to us as a church. 
So this particular office of the prophet, as it was here in the New Testament era, has ceased, I believe. We aren't told the details of what was going on in Thessalonica in regards to prophetic utterances that would cause Paul to write this. Um, the most likely scenario, and this is just what comes to my head, what seems the most likely to me, uh, considering the context of both the letters to the Thessalonians, which deal a lot with Jesus' return, uh, most likely scenario, in my mind anyway, is that some had gone a bit crazy in prophesying regarding Jesus' return, perhaps even giving dates and times and so on, and claiming it was a revelation of the Holy Spirit to them. And because the majority of the people recognized that it obviously was not <laughs> from the Holy Spirit, uh, there may have been an attitude that kind of developed that tend to kind of poo-poo any word of prophecy. And so Paul writes what he does here. But not to, don't despise prophetic utterances. That's, as I said, that's my speculation. But it is a possible scenario. So Paul says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't despise prophetic utterances. Don't immediately just write them off as coming from some whack job. Rather, Paul says in verse 21, examine everything carefully. Check it out. And then, hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every kind of evil. So how does that apply to us today? Well, I think it's very applicable. The world in which we live, with TV and the internet and social media, we have access to more people who are preaching the word of God, or at least claiming to preach the word of God, than at any other time in human history. We can tune in or access almost... No, we can. All kinds of ideas and scenarios and conspiracies, whatever else you want to call it. We have access to it all. We can, we can get it all. And they're all claiming to be the truth, and they all have all kinds of sources to back up their claims, and it's causing no end of issues and problems in our society at large. And it's causing issues in our churches. Listen, friends, we are fortunate to be living at a time when we have the Bible, the complete revelation of God to us as humans. It's readily available to all of us. We have it in our hands. The Bible, that is the only source of absolute truth that we have. Because it's inspired by God himself. We're fortunate to have it, and we have it, and it is the only source of absolute truth that there is. So the message here for us is, when we, you hear a sermon or a speech or something claiming to be speaking a message from God, don't immediately just write them off or shut them down or despise what they say. No, don't despise it. But check it out. Get your Bible out and examine it. And examine the teaching that you're hearing against what the Bible says. If it is consistent and is what God has revealed in the Bible, then we need to accept the message as from God. The Holy Spirit is speaking and we need to let him speak. And get in line and get in tune with it. If what you're hearing is contrary to the teaching that we read in the Bible, then it's not a message from God. And we need to discard it. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. In one line, we need to, as a church family, stay true to the word of God. Stay true to the word of God. Get in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing, as revealed in his word. Don't try to stop that. But on the other hand, make sure it is the Holy Spirit, as revealed in God's word, that we are following, and not some false teaching. Stay true to the word of God. So therefore, we see from this passage the teachings about church family life. 
that we need to apply to us and to our church. They are, number one, in regards to our attitude towards spiritual leaders, appreciate them, honor them, respect them, love them. Number two, in regards to how we treat each other, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all. Understand we're all at different places in our walk with God, so we need to be patient with each other and encourage each other. Thirdly, in regards to our personal approach to life, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. That's God's will for each one of us. And then fourthly, in regards to staying true to the word. Don't despise prophetic utterances, but rather examine everything against God's word. Accept and follow what is true to God's word. Stay away from that which isn't. The last few verses in this chapter, which we're not really going to touch on, uh, is it's Paul's prayer for those believers at Thessalonica, verse 23, um, 24, and so on. That God would sanctify them, that they would be preserved complete for when Jesus returns. And then he has some closing words and, and greetings. You see how I'm very tactfully avoiding that greet the brethren with a holy kiss thing. <laughs> we just won't talk about it. <laughs> I did preach about that a few months back, if you may remember, when we were in Romans. But well, That's actually a couple of years ago now, I guess. So as we look at what this passage says, and we look at our own church family. What do you see? How are we doing? Maybe more specifically, how are you doing? How am I doing? Personally. In making our church family life be what it should be. I was kind of preparing this this week and I was wondering, okay, Lord, who's the sermon for this week? And... Uh, I don't know. Well, I do know. I know it's for me. And there's some things here that really spoke to me as I was preparing it. So I know it's for me. If it's any for any of you, then that's between you and God. But let's take our time of silence and just open our hearts to listen to what God the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us personally. What is here that God is, is saying specifically to you this morning? I'll just give you a few moments to... Listen and hear to what God is saying to you.
good wrap up for the whole uh, book of First Corinthians or Thessalonians was um, I surrender all because without doing that I don't know how we would ever do any of those things
Thank you for your singing. since I've sat with my wife for, <laughs> for a service, or part of it anyway, so that's good. Praise and prayer time. Anybody have anything that you'd like to publicly praise God for, or maybe ask your church family to remember in prayer for you? Anyone? Okay, let's bow in prayer then. God, as we just bow our heads and hopefully <laughs> we're also bowing our hearts before you, uh, we just uh, come before you with these things that are that are on our minds and these praises, Lord, as it's already been mentioned a few times today, we it's just a great day and how we praise you. Beautiful weather outside, you sent us a beautiful rain, uh, so timely and just what we needed and the way we needed it and Lord, you have blessed us richly, thank you. Thank you so much. We don't deserve it. Uh, you don't owe us anything uh, when we think about it. But Lord, out of your great grace and great goodness and mercy, you see fit to, to answer our prayers. And thank you for that rain that you sent us. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we just our hearts are just filled with gratitude to you for that. And like I mentioned in the pastor's desk column, Lord, is what you said in your word, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, summer and winter, cold and warm, as long as the earth remains. So Lord, we thank you for your provision. Uh, and thank you for the beautiful day outside today and the sunshine and the opportunities that it might afford for our families this afternoon and tomorrow or whenever, Lord, just to enjoy the weather and enjoy being with each other and enjoy being outside. And, and Lord, we want to thank you so much uh, that you've seen fit for the guidelines to be lifted somewhat at this point. And uh, the uh, provincial government has, has uh, indicated to us that by, uh, the hope is that by the end of July that that all be lifted. And that's our prayer. That's our hope. That's what uh, we pray that uh, you would cause that to happen and facilitate that happening. And uh, Lord, along those lines, just, just be with our governments. Lord, they have a heavy road to follow, and uh, need, they need a lot of wisdom in handling this. And there's so many different opinions and and conflicts around this whole pandemic thing. And Lord, as somebody said the, to me the other week or the other day, that one thing that this pandemic has done is it's given everybody an opinion. <laughs> And that is so true. And Lord, our governments have to kind of walk the line and do what they feel is best for, for us as a country. And on the other hand, Lord, there, there's so many voices that they're hearing. And so, Lord, I just pray you grant them all the wisdom they need as they uh, carry on. And help them, Lord, to listen to good advice and not to bad advice. Lord, we pray for our Christian brothers and sisters who uh, are in government that, uh, that uh, you would just use them to to bring about the good advice and that our governments would be open to that and listen to that. Lord, I want to thank you that Heather had a good chance to visit with her aunt. We praise you for that. And uh, Lord, as she's fighting this terminal illness, Lord, and struggling to know how to how to meet it, and uh, Lord, you know her desires to have everything clean and whatever for when she leaves it, or when she passes on. And uh, Lord, I just pray you be close to her and keep her in your care. Lord, I don't know if she knows you or not, but Lord, more than anything, if she doesn't, that uh, she would just Feel you reaching out to her, and she would respond and uh, turn to you and give her life to you. Be with Heather, Lord, as she ministers to her. Help her, Lord, just to to be that ministering spirit for her aunt and be a picture of you uh, as she goes and and uh, helps her or whatever you give her opportunity to do. So, Lord, just be close to them, to that whole family through this time. We pray for Penny's great uncle is in the hospital. Lord, whatever is wrong, I just pray to bring healing to him and raise his body back to health and strength. Thank you, Lord, for the visit she could have with Colton as he came over the weekend. Can any be with Colton? Help him, Lord, in his job. Help him, Lord, to find a good circle of friends. Help him, Lord, to stay strong in his walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity they had at the cemetery. Just as she said, it was just so beautiful just to be there together and working there together and, and uh, cleaning that up. We thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for 
at the very least at our church, our church family, and the opportunities we've had to all be together here this morning. Such a blessing from you, and it's encouraging for me, and I'm sure for all of us. And Lord, I, along with Jade, I just want to thank you for Joan. Lord, thank you so much for the blessing that she's been not only to her husband and to her children, but to her grandchildren. And uh, Lord, you have made her a special person, and she's been a blessing to her church family as well over the years, a big blessing. We praise you for her. Lord, I just pray you give her a great day on Wednesday for her birthday, and every day be a great day, and that you would just continue to lead and guide and direct in her life. Lord, you want to thank or think of those of our church family who are not here with us this morning, Lord, wherever they are, I just pray you be close to them and speak to them and encourage them. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you'd be with our extended church family, those that we don't even know, our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are struggling this morning, many in persecuted countries. You think of the Middle East and what's going on there, and we think of some other places in Syria and Saudi Arabia and Iran and where Christians are so severely persecuted. Just be close to them and help them, Lord, to stand strong in you and be a light for you. And that uh, that would be a witness and people would see that and turn to you. And Lord, thank you for your word to us this morning. And Lord, I just pray that uh, all of this together would have brought feeding to our souls and strengthened us for the week ahead. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Brad. Thanks, Glenn. At this time, we'll uh, give thanks for, uh, for the offering. Father in heaven, we thank you for all that you've blessed us with. We thank you that we live in a land of plenty. We thank you that uh, you have blessed us so richly. And uh, uh, we just ask that you would take these gifts that we give back to you, that you would use them for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just as a reminder, that uh, offering box is still over here. So if you want to take care of that, that'd be great. Uh, in regards to announcements, uh, we have our monthly prayer meeting. I think it was June 15th. 16th? I think it's the 16th. The third Wednesday in June. 17th? 16th. There we go. June 16th is the, uh, is the uh, church prayer meeting. And uh, over and above that, I don't see too much in the bulletin in regards to announcements. Are there any announcements that we need to raise attention to? If not, then uh, children, I know it's your favorite portion of the service, the trivia answers. Okay, kids, get your trivia quiz to some other adult besides you can't mark your own. You have to give it to a trusted adult in your life. That person will mark it for you and decide if you get a prize or not. So again, as always, we'll have age 10 and under. You need to get four right to get a prize. Older than 10, you need them all right to get a prize. Here are the answers. Number one, church family relationships. Or church relationships. Church family relationships, either of those will work. Question number two. I mentioned four things there. You need two out of the four. Appreciate, honor, respect, love. Two, any two of those four will be good. Question number three, the answer is elders. Question number four, the answer is all people. Question number five, the answer is always. Uh, question number six, the answer is always or without ceasing. Either of those will work. Uh, question number seven, the fill in the blank one. The word is everything you need in that blank. Everything. And then question number eight, uh, the answer is the Bible. The Bible. So, if the person who marked your paper, kids, tells you that you get a prize, come up to me after the service and I'll get you one. Let's close in prayer. Lord, may we take what we heard here today, the strength from our fellowship together and from our worship of you and our time of prayer, and we put it all together. And Lord, I just pray that from the strength of that, that we'll go out into this week that lays ahead of us, we don't know what the week holds. You do. May we live it in light of what you told us here and gave us here this morning. So dismiss us now with your blessing. We pray in your name. Amen.